0: Hello friends and welcome back to another electrifying episode of Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast. I am your fearless host, Jamie, and today you're stuck with just me as Marcus in New Hampshire uh, attending their sibling's graduation. But fear not, I have an entire pot of coffee to myself, so I should have more than enough enthusiasm to help get you through this episode. And boy, do we have a great week between AEW and WWE. I think we're going to go ahead and start off with All Elite Wrestling and get right into it. All right, so the first match I want to start off with, and and this is in no particular order as far as AEW goes and WWE, I'm just talking about the things I want to talk about, but starting off with uh, Drew Listico and Preston Vance taking on Jungle Hook, which is Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Hook, Um, they had a Texas Tornado tag match, which I thought was really fun. Um... I definitely am happy to see more of Preston Vance, somebody that's not really utilized as much lately. Of course, Jungle Boy and Hook came off Super Face, which is fantastic. They work really well together. They're both super young, super talented, but. Both looked great, especially Hook. I think uh, out of everybody in this match, Hook looked really good. Uh, Preston Vance looked great, too. Unfortunately, um, his beautiful face was covered in blood. <laughs> uh, Hook really did a number on him. Uh, he got his payback later, but Hook really got a good one on him. He punched him. He wrapped his uh, wrapped his hand up in um, a metal chain and punched uh Preston Vance. I don't know if that was an intentional thing that he was supposed to actually hit him that hard and make him bleed. Uh, The way Preston Vance retaliated and gave him those receipts, I am going to go with no. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be like that. But it really elevated the match. Anytime I think you add blood, it makes it a little bit more interesting. People are, you know, with the oh shit chance and um, Preston took it like a champ. He really got up and just kind of kept going with it which was great um he was like in a rage like a barbarian rage if you play D, you'll get that but uh he really did a good job of getting back at hook um hook actually put him through a table later too uh which was a good spot thankfully nobody gets hurt aw is bad at having people get you know unintentionally hurt through those table spots so thankfully it wasn't anything too bad i think preston vance ended up with like 10 stitches or something later he said it was no big deal um but i really liked it uh Jungle Boy ended up getting uh, Drillistico to tap with the snare trap, which I thought was really good. So um, is it going to do anything huge for these guys? Not necessarily, not really a storyline, anything going with any of these guys in particular. Um, I don't know what the future is for the FTW championship. I really don't know what the future is for Jungle Boy, who seemed to have been going more towards uh, Jack Perry than Jungle Boy, not so much lately. Um, So I'm not really sure what's going to happen with these guys, but at the very least, at least they're getting the uh, TV time that they deserve. Next up, we have the BCC taking on Chaos. Um, A lot of people were really confused as to why they were being called Chaos if they had changed their name. Um, I think this is just to enlighten everybody and help them to understand a little more about what's going on in NJPW. Chaos is a faction in NJPW. Their leader is Okada, who is facing, of course, Brian Danielson at Forbidden Door. Uh, That's happening later in June, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I think this was just Tony Khan's way of trying to help everybody to understand that chaos is a faction in NJPW, that there's a lot of people that are on the AEW roster that actually do fight in New Japan. Um, so, what a great way to show this off without bringing you know anybody so far over from Japan. Um, anytime you get Rocky Romero facing John Moxley, it's really fun. I enjoy it because they are real life good friends, um, which is really funny. Um, the whole reason that John Moxley actually went into working in New Japan, because he has before, was because of Rocky Romero. Uh, if you haven't read John Moxley's autobiography, you really should. It's great. Uh, I think I've said it before, but he... He writes it like he's talking to you, so it's very John Moxley way of speaking. Um, he puts in like little factoids about like movies and then like music and stuff that he likes, but um, he talks a lot about his time in New Japan and how he didn't think that he was going to be able to adapt to that Japanese style of wrestling, uh, which obviously he is able to do, um, but it takes. It takes a long time for somebody like, especially like John, that isn't used to that type of wrestling, to learn how to do it. So this is fun. It was a great match between BCC and Chaos. Um, unfortunately, Chaos didn't end up getting the win, which I think we all knew was going to happen. Um, I loved Brian Danielson on commentary for this. Um, he was just he was just perfect in this because he wouldn't let chaos get the upper hand as far as like being the better team he would say you know they're trying their best they're giving their best but you know you shouldn't be pinning that light you should be doing this you should be doing that you know this is the bcc you really need to take us seriously so i really enjoyed uh brian on there for sure On Rampage this week, there was a four-way match between Mercedes Martinez, Sky Blue, Nyla Rose, and Britt Baker, with the winner being the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship, who is uh, currently held by Tony Storm. Uh, The match was really good. The promos uh, ahead of time were incredible. Mercedes was so intense on hers. Uh, She is the former ROH Women's World Champion, and I thought she was fantastic when she held the belt, but her... Uh, promo beforehand was incredible just based off that alone she was coming in with some intensity that nobody else had so I kind of thought maybe that she would get it deep down inside I really did hope that Sky Blue was going to win but obviously, she was the underdog. She's the only one here that has never won a world championship belt before, um, and the youngest by far. So, seeing her in this match alone, she had a lot of tough competition. Uh, it was really cool to see Britt Baker and Sheeta working again together. Uh, Sheeta came out and helped when Marina Shafir wanted to interfere in the match. So as Sheeta would, she grabbed her kendo stick and drove Marina Shafir right out. So the two of them were out of there, uh, which just left the four actual women within the match. At one point, Nyla was trying to do that like crazy top rope move where she jumps off and hits you on the apron. And uh, Britt Baker actually pushed her off. I know Sir Pentico actually absolutely loved that spot. Um So she was out for a while. It was basically just down to the other three, Mercedes, Sky, and Britt Baker for a while. Uh, At one point, Britt and Mercedes are going uh, really hard up against each other. Britt actually pulls Mercedes' legs out, gets her out of the ring, and that gives... Uh, Sky Blue, the opportunity to hit the code blue on Nyla, and she actually picks up the win. This is really interesting because, again, obviously she's the underdog here. We know that Tony Storm's going to do a great job of putting her over. That's what Tony Storm does, especially as the champion. But uh, I know Tony Storm is a f- big fan of Sky Blue, so this is going to be. Uh, I think a really good match, I think it's gonna really push her in a good way. Her first uh, main event match she won. So this is this is huge for her. She actually just did an interview with RJ City for the hey EW, uh YouTube uh, show that they do. Uh, it was really funny. Poor Sky was absolutely nervous with RJ there, uh, hitting her with all the questions, but really funny. You should definitely take a second to go and watch it. But she actually tells the story about how she was excommunicated from her church and caught somebody on fire, uh, which is hysterical. If you, Not that some, you'd catch somebody on fire, uh, but that somebody as sweet as Sky Blue would do something like that. So it kind of uh, puts like a, a different perspective on her. Um, random story. My mom did that as a kid, too. She does not like to tell me the story. I'm sure it's horrible. But uh, on the bus, she uh, randomly lit the girl in front of her hair on fire to see what would happen. So um, she didn't turn out to be an amazing wrestler, although Sky Blue is doing a great job so far. Moving on to another champion, we have the TBS champion, Chris Statlander, who took on Anna JAS. I think she's still going by. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this match, but I did want to say that I thought it was a really good effort by Anna J. Of course, Chris Statlander is still your TBS champion. Uh, She signed that at the end of the match in case anybody didn't notice. Uh, She always does that because she said that she wanted to bring um, some inclusiveness to the deaf community because they are always having to watch everything with titles. So, uh, you know, like subtitles on. So I thought that was really cool of Chris Statlander. At any rate, I thought Anna Jay looked really good here. One of her best matches. Nice to see her in a singles match. Nothing crazy happened. But um, again, Chris Statlander is holding the belt. Uh, of Valkyrie was in the back, you know, typical You know, person who wants to take the belt next, watching from the uh, TV in the back, with her super slicked back blonde hair and way too tight of a (laughs) red leather vest, but or jacket. Um, I'm assuming that's where this is going. Is it's going to be Chris Statlander taking on Taya Valkyrie? Um, I don't mind Taya eventually taking on Chris. I can see the understanding of you know Taya wanting another chance at the belt. Um, If Taya loses this, I don't really see what that's going to do for her as a singles competitor uh, if you don't know anything about Taya she is a very decorated wrestler she's ha- she's held plenty of championships and had been in plenty of um, companies so interested to see I guess what happens there but um, overall definitely a, a decent match and great job by Anna J. All right. So the last match that I'd like to talk about in AW for this week was the international championship that was defended by Orange Cassidy, who faced Swerve in his 24th defense of this belt, which is huge, huge. He comes out here every week and defends his belt against huge people. I mean, Shibata being one of them who was able to retain by... They both made each other look so fantastic in this match. And it genuinely was a 50-50 match. If you miss double or nothing, these two were the last in the Battle Royal match that Orange Cassidy kind of set up. Um, They came down to these two. Orange Cassidy obviously won. So this was kind of Swerve's second chance at redeeming himself and getting the belt. We actually did run a poll on our Twitter, and if you don't follow us, make sure that you do at CAW Wrestling Pod. And 67% of you also thought that Swerve was going to get his second chance and actually win this championship. Uh, But believe it or not, in the end, Swerve actually did not bring home the belt. Um, It was a crazy back and forth. Like I said, it was 50-50 the entire time. Um, There was just an exchange of roll-ups, and Orange Cassidy ended up getting the final one for the one two three. 2 um, There was a point where he kicked out of an orange punch, then a beach break, and I absolutely lost my shit. I cannot say enough good things about both of these guys. Uh, again, Orange Cassidy's been in the independent scene for a long time. You can look up a lot of his matches on YouTube if you haven't seen anything before AEW. Uh, Swerve was Kill Shot in Lucha Underground. Uh, take the time to watch some of those matches too. Him and AR Fox have some of the best matches I've ever seen. They do like a three match, uh, like series of matches. It's unbelievable in Lucha Underground, but. I really enjoyed this. Unfortunately, again, swerve did not come up victorious. Um, I love Orange Cassidy as the champ, and I think his reign is absolutely incredible. As Mark pointed out, I think on the last podcast, he's defended his belt more times than Roman Reign has, and Roman Reign has been champ for how long? So it's pretty interesting. Um So at this point, we got to wonder, like, who is actually going to be able to dethrone Orange Cassidy? I know there have been talks about Orange uh, challenging Zack Sabre Jr., and that might be happening at Forbidden Door. So I'm really looking forward to that. But nothing, again, has been announced. Everything at this point is just like anything else in the Internet community. And it's just mostly rumors. So we'll, uh, I'm sure, find out within the next week or so, because the pay-per-view is going to be coming up at the end of the month. Uh, The final thing that I would love to make a mention of is the MJF and Adam Cole promo. Uh, Of course, uh, uh, MJF came out first um, and Adam Cole interrupted him, which turned into MJF interrupting his final, you know, Adam Cole baby there at the end. Uh MJF cut a promo but an interesting one where he was actually not saying a lot of bad things like he normally does. He actually complimented Adam Cole and said to the crowd, you know, have you ever seen ROH? I get it, you know, I don't like R.O.H. either. Of course you gotta stay a little bit of a heel, MJF. Um, but he says if you've saw um Adam Cole in ROH, you could tell that he was a champion. You could tell that he was uh, going to be great and that he watched him in NXT. And it was unfortunate that, you know, Vince McMahon didn't think that he was going to be this top guy. And uh, I always thought that you would be until I saw you here in AEW. And now I think that Vince was right. Um, Cole actually cuts a fantastic promo back at him talks about how you know they could both go in the back and piss in a cup and see who's natural Um, you know he's so used to people making fun of his weight Um, and he also said we're nothing alike and that you won't fight me because I'm better than you and they know it obviously referring to the crowd and saying that you know basically at the end of this that they are going to have a fight and it turns out that that's going to be coming up on dynamite this upcoming week Uh, It'll be a qualifying match. So if Adam Cole is able to beat MJF, then he will actually be able to fight him for his title. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm hoping we're going to be seeing MJF defending that title at Forbidden Door, uh, especially since he's made so much of a comment to say that he doesn't. Respect NJPW doesn't respect that type of wrestling. The only person that he respects is the Great O'Con, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's going to play into anything at the pay per view. Um, I do have to give a shout out to somebody on Twitter. I cannot believe I found this, but I found a guy. Shout out to him. He is Wrestling and Coffee on Twitter. I shit you not, Wrestling and Coffee. I had to send him a, a message and say, "What are the odds?" You know, we have to be friends. So he. threw out something interesting that uh, maybe we're going to be seeing uh, Sonata face MJF. So uh, for now, I think MJF needs to hold onto that title for a little bit longer. But at the same time, Adam Cole could really use a push. I think he's a kind of love it or hate it guy in AEW. I I actually think he's fantastic. But again, after... um, That match with Chris Jericho and uh, again fighting a lot of people on the internet that just aren't really big fans of him because he's kind of a smaller guy which is absolutely ridiculous but here we are in 2023 fighting over people's uh, weight to determine how how good of a wrestler they are Um, so this is going to be happening next week and I really don't know where it's leading to but again uh, I'm hoping MJF is going to retain this title for just a little bit longer he's just too good to to give away the title right now. And before moving on to WWE, I just want to make a mention, if you haven't seen it already, uh, hop onto YouTube and check out the new Twisted Metal trailers. If you didn't know Samoa Joe, yes, the Samoa Joe is going to be in the Twisted Metal uh, show that's going to be airing on Peacock. What a funny way of doing that, having it on Peacock, but that's great because I'm already subscribed to it there's a great scene where he's doing the the thong song and he kind of goes back and forth singing with the, with the guy that's in the trailer with him. Uh, Take a couple seconds to look at it. It looks like it's going to be really interesting. Uh, He's playing um, sweet tooth and Will Arnett is actually the voice of it. I was really confused and not sure if I was going to like it at first, but after hearing it and kind of seeing it, it plays really well with Samoa Joe's body as, you know, the wrestler and the tough guy that he is. So definitely a shout out to him. And one more thing, uh, Just want to make a mention that uh, we want to send our condolences to friends, family, and everybody in between that was a fan of the Iron Sheik, who unfortunately passed away this week. So rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Uh, What a huge contribution to the wrestling community and to just Twitter uh, itself with his classic rivalry with Hulk Hogan. All right, so now I promise we can move on and finally talk about WWE. The biggest thing they have going on is they have a premium live event, which is Saturday, July 1st. Money in the Bank. They are doing their qualifying matches. And this week, we ended up with six matches. And I'm going to go over them really quick. We had Becky taking on Sonya Deville with a ton of interferences between Chelsea Green, Trish Stratus, and... Uh, Zoe Stark all trying to get in the middle of this match. Becky was still able to pull off the win. Zoe was able to pull off her win. Additionally, when she faced off Natalia. Meechin and Bailey had a very quick match between the two of them with Bailey being victorious. Uh, one thing that happened in that match was AJ Styles was on commentary. And at one point, Scarlett comes out, blows some, looks like hot Cheeto dust in his eyes, uh, calls it the Scarlet Fever. And Karrion Cross comes out, to, uh, up behind AJ Styles to kind of choke him out, insinuating that their rivalry is going to continue. Shotzi took on Io Sky with, of course, Io being victorious, who is my personal choice for the Money of the Bank winner this year in the women's division. You also had Butch taking on Baron Corbin. Butch won that. And Santos Escobar and Mustafa Ali had a fantastic back and forth on SmackDown. And I honestly didn't think Santos was going to be the winner, but he was. I think... It was a good move. I really wanted Mustafa Ali to get a chance to go on to Money in the Bank and possibly win it. I think that could have been a really fun thing. Um, I'm not mad at Santos Escobar winning this, though, because I think not only does he need a win, but the LWO in general really needs this win. So uh, that's going to be very interesting. So after all the qualifying matches this week, we have for the women going to the Money in the Bank ladder match in London, we have Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Bailey. EO Sky, Zoe Stark, and there will be one more match that has not been determined yet. I think that might be happening on Raw. Uh, as far as the men's Money in the Bank qualifiers, we have Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, LA Knight, Santos Escobar Butch and whoever wins the match between Riddle and Damian Priest again I think that is happening on Raw as well so as I said earlier with AEW Orange Cassidy and Swerve was a fantastic match that personally was my match of the week for AEW um excuse me if we're going to be talking about WWE I 100% think that everybody's in agreement with me that Gunther facing Kevin Owens was such a treat it wasn't anything that was previewed ahead of time uh on the card or anything, it just kind of happened. But they've obviously had some animosity between Imperium, KO, and Sammy for the last few weeks. This match was incredible. They fought like they hated each other, which is always good because you can't really tell if it's like storyline or real life. Just like Orange Cassidy, this is another fantastic champion who comes out every week, every time he defends it, and just absolutely devastates whoever he's facing. He actually just hit one year of being the champion, which is huge, Um, the intercontinental champion that's huge for um, a modern-day reign. Uh, Gunther showed exactly why he's had this belt for so long in this match against Kevin I actually felt really genuinely bad for Kevin Owens because it felt like for five solid minutes, Gunther was absolutely decimating him uh, with the incredible suplexes that he was able to give him, the chops, which are always devastating that you can hear through Kevin Owens' t-shirt, as Corey Graves pointed out. He even kicked Kevin Owens so hard in the face at one point it left a boot mark. It was awful. But overall, it was a fantastic match. Uh, Ludwig ended up uh, kind of trying to distract Kevin Owens, which ended up getting him a gnarly uh, stunner rolled out of the ring and Gunther hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll up for the win. And I don't know if this is just going to keep going to possibly the Imperium having another match against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, They got a few weeks to decide what they're going to do from here. Moving on to the championship side of things, Asuka did receive a new belt on Raw this week. She was the Raw Women's Champion and is now presented with a new belt. She is the WWE Women's Champion, which I think if you look at the belt, it says WWE Undisputed Women's Championship, but that's not what they're calling it. Um, I thought it was a good thing that they are breaking up possibly both of the Raw and SmackDown championships. I don't know what this is going to mean for what Rhea's is going to be, if she's going to be like the women's heavyweight champion. I really don't know. But Asuka is the WWE women's champion, was presented a new belt, which is... Been a big thing that's been happening lately, and they unveiled it. Adam Pierce unveiled it, and it was uh, Roman's belt with a white strap. I mean, I don't think it was anything too crazy off the wall. Um, that leaves people to speculate that possibly Rhea's belt looking exactly like Seth Rollins's belt. Uh, pretty, you know, not unique of them. They could have come up with something completely different, but uh, they've been doing a lot of this lately, so maybe that just. Kept everything kind of cohesive between the men and women before Adam Pierce did go out there and give Oscar her new championship. Uh, Bianca was talking to Adam Pierce, and Adam said, "You know, you need to stay out of this. Uh, do not interfere in any way, and you will get a rematch against Oscar for the championship." and Bianca hesitantly, you know, agreed because, of course, she wants to get that rematch. Uh, when she does, when Asuka does get uh, presented the belt, immediately Charlotte Flair comes out, which to me is a little bit ridiculous. This is classic of Charlotte, too. If she doesn't have a belt, she's got to come out and try to get one. Um, that's just her character and who she is. But she basically jumped the line and said that I want a match, and it was, it was given to her. She will be having a match against Asuka for the WWE Women's Championship the night before uh, Money in the Bank. So that'll be SmackDown beforehand. Of course, Bianca is super upset about this. Uh, She's got to be, you know, somewhat weaved into the storyline I don't know if she's gonna cost Charlotte the championship if it's gonna come down to some type of three-way Adam Pierce did tell Bianca you know I'll figure it out I'll make it up to you uh never explained exactly how that was gonna happen but again Charlotte just jumped the line and got the championship so I'm looking forward to heal Bianca this is a little taste of what she did in NXT she's doing a I think a really good job of being healed so I Hopefully the WWE has something fun planned for not only her, for but for also the Street Profits as well. The next match that I would love to talk about is the defense of the World Heavyweight Championship by Seth Freakin' Rollins, who went up against Damian Priest on Raw this week. Um, I did a little bit of research, and I could be totally wrong, you know how this goes, but the last defense of the title of the World heavyweight championship title was John Cena that beat Alberto Del Rio. That was November 24th of 2013. On December 15th of that same year, Randy Orton beat John Cena to unify that belt. So it was December 15th of 2013 that it was the last time it uh, was active. So Seth freaking Rollins is your uh, WWE World Heavyweight Championship currently. Again, he took on Damian Priest this week on Monday Night Raw after an open uh, challenge. Before the match actually happened, there was an interaction between not only Seth and Damian, but also Finn Balor came out to the ring to talk to Seth as well, the other member of Judgment Day. Um, Seth basically said that you need Judgment here to judgment Day here to be able to beat me. And Damian actually said that he doesn't need any of Judgment Day to be able to beat him. I thought that was interesting. And Finn also seemed to stop everything he was doing and kind of look over in Seth's direction. Anyways, on Twitter, uh, Rhea agreed that Damien didn't need her or anybody else on the Judgment Day. So I'm wondering if this is a breakup of uh, Finn or looks to me more like Damien Priest leaving Judgment Day. Um, but Damien basically tells Seth that uh, you're about to have one of the shortest reigns in history because, of course, you got to talk the talk. I'm going to take the belt from you. Seth proceeded to basically laugh his ass off and say, you know, any way you slice it, my reign is already longer than Finn's is. And of course, what happened between Finn and Seth Rollins was they went uh, toe to toe at SummerSlam in 2016. Finn Balor was victorious over Seth Rollins, but he only held the belt for 22 hours because Seth Rollins actually injured him in real life in that match. So he had to legitimately give up the belt. Um, the match itself was the main event of Raw. I, I honestly thought it was fantastic, and I've said this over the last few weeks. I wasn't necessarily the biggest Damien Priest fan. It took me a while to, to really catch on to him, um, but I've really enjoyed Damien over the last few months. Ever since Backlash has happened, he's really, to me, been a different character. He's a great wrestler it was more like his charisma and his persona that needed to be sold for me this was a great match I mean of course we all knew that Damian had no chance of being able to actually win it but there was a couple close calls I will I will say Uh, his legs are so long so his ability to kick is impressive I think he kicked Seth in the face once maybe twice Um, it was a really great match but the whole thing really took a turn when at some point Finn Balor actually came down to the ring he wasn't there the entire time, but he tried to attack, attack Seth. Uh, Seth was able to escape from him, but Damian was really like, "What are you trying to do here? Like, why are you out here?" He was very concerned as to what was going on. So, uh, at the end of the day, Damian, of course, ends up losing. But Finn and Seth are the ones that are left into the in the ring at the end at the end of the match. And I think this is just possibly leaning more towards a rematch between Finn and Seth again. um, I mean, they did this not too long ago. Obviously, they did it at SummerSlam 2016. Um, I'm hoping that Damien's going to be able to go on his own now. It's been about a year of the Judgment Day. I think it's been interesting, um, but I think maybe it's kind of run its course. I'm interested to see what everybody can do as an individual, especially Damien, since I don't know much of him outside of the Judgment Day. You know, Seth is always very entertaining and pretty much anything that you throw him in, I'm going to look forward to. I just want him to have something fresh. I want him to have a different rivalry and I want something different for Damien too. So maybe all we have to do is just wait to see who actually wins this money in the bank and see what happens from there. All right. So Monday night, Rollins ended the show and the bloodline started off SmackDown, so Paul Heyman had already told us that Jay Uso was going to have to make a decision as to who he was going to choose. Was it going to be his tribal chief Roman Reigns and also Solo Sokoa, or his twin brother Jimmy Uso? Uh, SmackDown started off with Paul coming out to the ring. Jay eventually made his way down, and and Paul really dropped some interesting. News from the tribal chief himself. Paul said that Jay actually was meant to be groomed by Roman Reigns himself to be the next tribal chief. Um, <laughs> he also says that there is no longer a tag team called the Usos, which is interesting because they never do elaborate on that. So, you know how Paul and uh, Roman are able to manipulate anything. So you never know what happens there. Um He basically tries to get him to shake his hand, be on his side. Jay is reluctant, understandably, as I would be too. It's Paul Heyman. Uh, Paul actually offers him a match and says, we want you to bring the gold back to the bloodline. We're going to give you a match between you and Austin Theory for the United States Championship. Interesting. So, of course, everybody the entire time is really hyped. This main event Jay Uso. So, uh, to me... Obviously, something was going to happen here. Would I have loved for Jay to have won the U.S. championship? Of course. Of course. I would have absolutely loved that. But the storyline had to continue here. So it wouldn't be a bloodline match if a referee didn't get knocked out, (laughs) of course. So that's exactly what happened here. The ref got knocked out. Uh, The crowd was super hyped up. And pretty deadly came in and interfered. Typical. Not really sure why them, um, but they came in. They interfered. Jimmy comes out now. He tries to help out, takes out pretty deadly. Uh, Solo now just pops up. It gets really chaotic really quickly. Solo comes out, knocks out Jimmy, wants to do like the Samoan spike. So Jay, you know, knocks him, stops him. Jimmy goes to kick Solo, kicks his brother in the face, kicks Jay. Of course, of course. This is exactly how it's going to happen. These super kicks. Land of the wrong person. It's a typical, you know, ending to these Uso matches like I have been lately. Um, at the end of the match, of course, Austin Theory comes in, super stoked on himself, gets the pin. Crowd super pissed, understandably. And Paul, Solo are on the side. Jay, of course, is super mad at his brother, understandably, and just leaves Jimmy, who's in the ring. Paul and Solo are outside of the ring. He walks right past them. And in typical fashion, Paul ended up calling Roman Reigns. I thought it was interesting that Roman wasn't here. I feel like that could have definitely helped this. I didn't hate it, but it was just kind of weird. Like, I feel like these keep ending in a weird fashion where they end almost like a soap opera. You know, we've been saying that a lot lately. I think they're trying to leave you on like a cliffhanger for this one. But the only way I can see this going down again, me personally, and I said this last week, it's got to be Solo versus Roman. It's the only thing I can see happening here. As far as the Usos, Paul said that they're done. They're not a tag team anymore. Maybe this is an opportunity for both of them to do a singles run. I'm not mad at it. They're both great. Um, I have no idea what the overall plan is. I have no idea, again, who I think is going to beat Roman if it wasn't Solo. Um, I don't know how long this is gonna go for. I have these ups and downs. It's very dramatic for me where I'm I'm hooked and then I hate it. You know, I'm into the US championship match. I thought that was cool. The the typical ending I thought fell a little bit short for me. I'm gonna stick around. I'm gonna be interested. Of course we're gonna find out, you know, what here what happens with Roman and there's gonna be more with Jay. Um I need to genuinely feel again like Roman is on the cusp of losing this belt or losing the entire bloodline. I I don't feel it. And I feel like that's maybe why I'm not fully invested is because there's no defenses of Roman's belt. And whoever wins the money in the bank briefcase, I feel like is not going to be cashing in on Roman. I feel like it's so clearly going to be, you know, Gunther or more than likely... Seth Rollins. There's no real established storylines for the next pay-per-view. Um, man, they only have a, a little less than a month to plan for this. With everything that's going on with AEW this month, they have Forbidden Door at the end of June. They have Fight Forever. The vi- The video game is actually coming out at the end of June. So, there's a lot, a collision is happening uh, next week, June 17th, which is Mark and I's 12th anniversary. Uh, what a way to celebrate. Um, Tony Khan did announce the match that is going to happen for that, which is CM Punk and FTR versus Samoa Joe and uh, Bullet Club Gold, which is Jay White and Juice Robinson. So I suppose we should expect a couple new uh, rivalries coming out over the next couple of weeks, especially with this Money in the Bank uh premium live event happening over the next few weeks. Um, Real quick, I want to go over the matches that are coming up between Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite. Usually Rampage doesn't get posted until later in the week, so I'm going to give you everything that I know so far. As I said earlier, there is a Money in the Bank qualifying match between Damian Priest and Riddle. Cody Rhodes is going to be facing The Miz. He's still uh, dealing with that (laughs) broken arm, and they're still going to let him fight. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to be taking on Imperium, uh, looks like again, even though that's happened over the last few weeks. And as for AEW Dynamite, we'll be seeing the Blackpool Combat Club taking on the Hung Bucks, which is the Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page. Also, all of Mogul Embassy will be taking on Orange Cassidy, Darby Allin, Sting, and Keith Lee. Uh, the TNT Championship will be defended by Wardlow, who is taking on Jake Hager. Since Sky Blue was the winner of that four-way match, she will be taking on AEW Women's World Champion Tony Storm. And there's also an AEW World Championship Eliminator match. For, uh, MJF is taking on Adam Cole. If he wins, he will be getting a... Uh, actual shot at the AEW World Championship. Finally, over on WWE SmackDown, there will be a tag team gauntlet match. LWO will be taking on Pretty Deadly, the Brawling Brutes, the OC, and the Street Profits. The winners will be the new number one contenders for the WWE Tag Team Championships, and they will take on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The Grayson Waller effect will also happen with Charlotte Flair. Chin and AJ Styles will be taking on Scarlett and Karrion Cross, and as I said before, Roman Reigns will definitely have something to say about what happened between Jimmy, Jay, and Solo on SmackDown last week. All right, if you've made it this far, I really want to give a huge thank you to you. I had to do this whole entire thing without my other half but I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, follow us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even YouTube at C-A-W Wrestling Pod. If you could do us a huge favor and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast and make sure you join us every Monday for a fresh cup of coffee and wrestling, a wrestling podcast. Again, this has been Jamie and thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.